Hi there, my name is Tim. And my name is Luke. And you are listening to the Recruitment Now podcast. We are passionate about recruiting. Each episode, we share ideas and insights into the world of recruiting from world-class recruiters and researchers. This podcast is for recruiters, HR professionals, and anyone looking to improve their recruitment abilities. Today, we're going to be talking with Will Van Middendorp uh, from 1010 Recruitment, talking about becoming a talent thief. Will is an entrepreneurial talent thief who has over 18 years of recruitment experience, both at the operational and strategic level in a couple of countries, Netherlands, Germany, and now in Canada. His career path started on the staffing side of the industry with two global industry leaders before expanding into the permanent placement and executive search side in his own capacity. Will says that as a talent thief, he's a big believer that his clients and himself are partners in crime. And as such, he works with the best organizations and professionals who are truly committed to being uh, successful and value a, pro- uh, a proactive approach that might at times push the boundaries of, if necessary. And this sounds really exciting. I can't wait to hear about that. Will is a true Dutchman, actually hailing from the Netherlands with a refreshing communication style, extremely direct, if I may say. Uh, you never have to guess what he means. Plus, um, he'll make sure to understand what you're looking for. He really does l- dig into the details. And over the years, Will has developed his passion for training, which has given him the opportunity to expand his service by providing recruitment advisory services to other organizations and training for recruitment professionals on the agency and the corporate side. So, Will, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And Luke, I feel that was a bit of a shot at me that Will's a true Dutchman. I have a Dutch last name, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm Canadian here. I just use the Dutch last name when it benefits Yeah, you me. blended the three last words to one, right? Absolutely. There did. you go. Yep. Yeah. Will still has the accent. He's he the d- true Dutchman. Oh, yeah. He is. He is. I'll never get rid of that one. <laughs> now, Will, you call yourself a talent thief uh, and you look to be a partner in crime. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I'm just a criminal, basically. No. <laughs> um, so I'm no different than any other recruiter, I'd say, except the fact that I just dare to say out loud what everybody else is doing. We, we go to the market, we align ourselves with organizations that are looking for talent, and then we go out to the market and find that talent. And what I do is I roam the marketplace and find out who's who in the zoo, and then I reach out to them and find out if they're interested in pursuing better opportunities in their career. And that's how I steal them away from mainly competitors, other organizations in the industry. And uh, that's why I call myself a talent thief. And you say a thief, is that because other companies, it would be taboo for companies to poach people from another company, but it's okay if you have a third party doing that? I think things have changed over time. Like a few years ago, it was still a gentleman's agreement that you did not poach from your competitors. And right now, companies do it themselves as well. So thief can have a negative association with the word itself and on the other hand I am a big believer that I I take something from someone else and that's why I say I'm a thief but not in a bad sense of the word if I can say it like that. I've always found it ironic when managers get offended by that oh you stole somebody from my team but they're okay with doing it if they're the one doing the stealing but God God forbid somebody steal from them too so there's a certain hypocrisy to that when that criticism is out there. Everybody wants to improve themselves and their organization and In the end, I always say, you know what, the people that are leaving, even though I steal them, the moment they leave, they don't want to be part of your organization anymore. So maybe to provoke a little bit, but you should have done a better job in keeping them satisfied so they didn't want to leave. So how do you how do you keep keep yourself being ethical? If you're being a talent thief, how do you how do you keep everything ethical and on board? Well, my 
way of recruiting people is really by asking them what the candidate is looking for. So I will pick up the phone. I think that's one of my biggest assets as well. Being able to pick up a phone, call someone out of the blue and just ask them a simple question. Are you interested in something else? And if they say no, that's fine. You know, I'm happy for them. That's the ethical part of that. I don't throw any money that my clients want to pay anybody else. People need to be motivated to do something better, do something stronger and move on from where they are right now. So the ethics comes in. How do I find these people? How do I reach out to them? How do I talk to them? And I'm not going to lie. Like there's a lot of practices in the recruitment industry where today you're an accountant and you're trying to do a survey amongst peers and tomorrow you're a hiring manager with an organization and you want to build your team. But in essence, you're just a recruiter. So I will always tell people, I'm a recruiter. I'm a talent thief. I don't hide behind that at all. I'm proud of it. You you mentioned something briefly. You pick up the phone to talk to them. Yes. Talk to us a bit about that. It's 2019. There's 10,000 tools you could use at your disposal and you're picking up the phone to talk to them. Yes. Why? To be clear, I do use all the other tools as well, right? You need to find out who's who in the zoo. So you can use the internet, you can use your network and everything. But in the end, if you don't talk to people, you will never find out what motivates them. And an email, there's a lot of interpretation that you can have reading between the lines. And it might throw people off or they might think it's going to be bigger and better than it actually is. So when I call them, at least I can listen to them. And if I don't understand what they mean, I can ask them why, what do you mean? What are you looking for? So that's why my phone skills, still picking up that cold call is important, both to the client side and the candidates. And in the end, let me let me ask the both of you a question. Yeah. When someone wants to headhunt you and you've worked with an organization mm-hmm. before, you're a total entrepreneur, someone calls you uh, or sends you an email and says, I've got a great job for you. Are you in interested in responding right away and be like, yeah, tell me more? Or would it be better for someone to call you and say, Tim, I got something, but I'm interested. Would you be interested in doing something else? Or Luke, have you thought about starting a new business in a different space? I think I think it's a crowded space right now on LinkedIn where everybody's getting messages from recruiters left, right and center. So nobody's really paying any attention. They're just like, oh, it's another one of those. They don't even open it. So for sure, people getting a phone call would probably pay a little bit more attention and at least in that instant be able to give you an answer. Right. That's the hardest part on LinkedIn right now is you don't even get an answer from candidates. It might depend a little bit on how personalized that email was. Because if it's worded like a group email that that recruiter just sent to 100 people, I'll just delete it. Right. I don't really care. But if it, if the recruiter took time to craft a personalized email, looked my background up, you know, told me why they're emailing me, I might be a bit more interested in it. You want to feel but special. I do want to feel special. Everybody It's all about me, Luke. Yes. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, um, but you are right. Getting a phone call might escalate that as much or yeah. a lot more there. Well, and I think what you just said, Luke, as well, um, there are so many messages out there that it becomes really reactive. So as a recruiter, when you send out your in-mail, like every recruiter that has a LinkedIn license can send out in-mails. And what you do is basically you shoot it out and you're gonna wait. And you're waiting in anticipation if they ever will get back to you. And if they don't, what do you tell your clients? Oh, I tried to get in contact with them, but they did not respond. But what did you actually do? Did you dare to pick up that phone? Did you dare to you know, say, hey, this is Will. I just wanna ask you a question, is that okay? Mm-hmm. So it's the reactiveness versus proactive. So how would you say that recruiters could be more proactive? What, what would you recommend? It sounds like you've been training recruiters as well. So what would you recommend to them? So I think going back to a good question, um, going back to what Tim just said, if it's a personalized in-mail message, email, whatever it is, 
it takes time and effort to really dig deep and find out why someone might be of interest for you to reach out to. If you want to do it initially by email or digital media, that's great. But after that, you've got to be able to pick up that phone and just ask them a question. And the best part is when you have a conversation with people, you can ask them one question after they say, no, I'm not interested. And that is, who do you think sh I should call to find out if they are interested? Do most people answer that and say, I know John, Sally, and blah, blah, blah? If people are not interested in talking to me at all, that happens. I don't understand yep. why, but it, unfortunately it does happen. They will never answer that question. They're like, no, I don't want to give you anything. But if people are like, I'm, I'd be interested in staying in touch with you and understanding if there's other opportunities that are better suited for me, for sure, I've got someone, you should call this person or that person. And candidates in general, professionals in general, are more willing to help each other than recruiters are. But take it one step back, before you even reach out to the candidate, you need to know which candidate to reach out to. Yes. So you need to be go on the hunt proactively, right. not just waiting for them to apply to jobs. So how, what, what do you recommend for that? I mean, there's the big open wide web, but there's so much noise out there. How do you find that first person you even want to target? Well, it would be kind of shameless plug here, but call Will and I'll teach you and I'll show <laughs> you. So I can give my phone number right now, but... Um, there's a lot of tools out there. If you're gonna use the, the mainstream tool like LinkedIn, then you're really stuck kind of with a LinkedIn in-mail, but you can put Boolean searches in there as well. And Boolean is basically hacking the web. You don't just do that on a, on a LinkedIn or any other site, but you can, you can craft a code, a line of code, and understand who's who in the zoo. So you can narrow it down. And that's on Google or? You can use Google Chrome, you can use Bing, you can use different. A search um, engine. Right, okay. search engines for that. But you just need to know what all the codes mean and how you put those together in order to get the target area that you want. And how did you learn about that? So I went to the States, I had some training there from some very incredible people and I okay. did some online training after that. And I'm still staying in touch with everything else. Like SourceCon, for example, is a big uh, platform where recruiters learn a lot of tips and tricks, but mm. you have to stay on top of it. So they do they provide that kind of schooling for or? free? Yeah, like as long as you you can sign up for an email and they will send you details of what you can focus on as a sourcer. So maybe I should focus a little bit on that as well. Recruitment is always seen as hey, you find the candidate, you you call them, you place them. The industry though is really going towards having sources that are finding the candidates packaging them and then handing it off to the recruiter who is then reaching out to them. So it's not just a full stop shop anymore. I still work like that. I still work the 360 desk. I do everything from client engagement to placement of the candidate. Larger organizations really break up those two. Do you think um, that's healthy? Avenues. Like, do you think there's a downside of splitting that up? Do people get too siloed in their roles, for example? So I would say for myself, I would feel siloed okay. if I could only do one portion of it. But I also know that these sources are, my gosh, I don't even know how to really ex describe it. They are just geniuses. They will find the right people on the web, but they might not have the personal skills. And let's say engineers, you know, uh, engineers in general are not the most social people, but like everybody says, depends on who you are, where you're coming from. I don't want to offend anyone right now, but... <laughs> It's I, not I worked for a large engineering know, company with about 600 <laughs> engineers at peak, so I know what you mean, yes. So they're not the salespeople, and recruiters are sales and marketing people. That's what we do. We sell. Mm -hmm. we, we are brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. A sourcer doesn't need to do that. A sourcer just needs to give me a list 
in a sense as a recruiter that I can then reach out to. So it takes a lot of effort away if someone wants to do just um, a specific portion of the recruitment process. Personally, again, I own my own companies. I do it all myself. Why? Because I want to be the partner with my clients. I want to be that partner in crime to take those candidates and bring them to them. And for larger organizations, it sometimes works better to have the sources specifically and the recruiters separately. What do you see mainly in corporate recruitment? How do they typically set it up? I mean, first of all, there's a big gap between agency recruitment and corporate recruitment. Um, and we can talk about that, but just in, in regular companies, I, f- I feel like it's more siloed, it's more sourcing than recruitment happening. I would even dare to go beyond that and say, if I, if I can talk about corporations, and maybe I should ask you first, what kind of corporations? Because there's such a wide gap in that as well. Well, let's, let's talk about those that have more than 500 employees. Okay. What I see is that corporates, um, talent acquisition teams, talent management teams, recruitment teams are more reactive. And mm-hmm. there's a very understandable reason why. And I'll explain. On the corporate side, when you're a recruiter, you don't just deal with taking a job from your hiring manager and find the candidate. A lot of the times you have that interaction with human resources where you're talking about compensation, where you've got to find out, can I poach from that client or can I not do that? So that's where the ethical part comes in from the gentleman's agreements. And as an agency, we basically, all we have to do is just find the right candidate for the role. Now, there's a lot of agencies that bring in junior recruiters and tell them, you gotta make these calls, you gotta do this, and you gotta throw some, pardon my friends, but shit at the wall, hope it'll stick because that's how you make mm-hmm. your fee. That's not partnership. That is just like, if you do that, you'll make a little bit of bonus on top of your salary. So corporations, again, going back, are more reactive because they have so many other things that they need to do outside of their recruitment process. So they post a job, either on LinkedIn, on their website, they mention it to people that they have working internally, and then they kind of wait. I cannot wait. I have too many freaking competitors in this industry that if I wait, someone else will run with it and place the candidate and I just wasted my time. So would you say that's the main benefit of working with uh, agency recruiters over keeping it in-house within the company when there's a critical role that needs to be filled really, really fast? Uh, working with an agency recruiter, you're probably gonna get the results faster. Is that what you're leaning towards? It depends on which agency. There we go again. And there's also the difference between the staffing agency and the um, permanent placement executive search firms. Do you want to give a job to five agencies and hope someone will throw something at you and it might be good? Or are you going to engage with an organization mm-hmm. like myself and you pay them a little bit upfront, but you make sure that they are 100% focused on your needs? If you do it like that, I think that the third party recruiter will be more successful because they don't have a workload of 30, 40 requisitions at the same time. I can only do so many. So if, I, if my workload's up there, I have to say no. You have to wait a week. You have to wait two weeks. In-house HR recruitment can't say no. No, they Doesn't have matter. to do it. Yeah. They might hire somebody else, mm-hmm. but the workload will never reduce. Yeah. Now, you've gone on record and you know, spouting off a bit about uh, HR and recruitment, and I believe you have a, you have a talk you know, that they need to break up, you know, yes. advocating that HR and recruitment are actually should be separate departments. Yeah. Tell, us a bit, tell us a bit more about that. For the record, I disagree with you, but I want to hear, uh, hear your point of view here. So. <laughs> oh, man, I'm tricked here. Um, no, I, I'm a big believer that um, human resources is really more the focus of the strategic part within an organization where you deal with hiring managers, but a lot of it is policy setting. HR people are not salespeople. HR people are not marketing people. There's a lot of 
strategic knowledge that's coming forward. And I am a firm believer that recruiters are brand ambassadors. We need to connect with people constantly. If we don't connect with people, we won't attract them to our brand. We can talk passionately about where we work, what kind of roles we have open, then candidates don't want to come to us. So I do think that recruitment should be part of sales and marketing and human resources is more on that strategic side. Okay. So I do kind of agree on the sourcing and you, you've talked about this, the conflict of interest where it's hard to just call up a competitor, a VP at a competitor and say, hey, you want to come work for us you know, if you're in-house. But I do think when you are screening candidates, going through the interview process, trying to find that best candidate, a good HR person can be one of the most valuable people on that team because they see all the soft things, all those intangibles. Think, you know what? Okay, Luke's our leader and he wants to hire a new manager working for him. I know Luke really well. I know what he actually needs, not what he says he needs, but what he actually needs on the team. I know what the gaps are in the team, et cetera. And I feel like now not all HR people are created equal. I'll concede that. <laughs> and so a weak HR person, but you know, a strong HR person who really understands the culture, the team, et cetera, can be invaluable in placing that person as opposed to somebody coming from the outside and just saying, I've got a great resume, great person. They can kind of know the culture, but it's hard until you're actually living that culture right from the inside. So that's, that's my thoughts on it, but I will concede the sourcing because of that conflict of interest there. I, I can see your points, and I'd like to add to that, that I believe that HR can be a value add to recruitment as recruitment can be a value add to HR. But I don't believe that recruiters should be reporting into a human resources manager. So that's where KPIs within HR are absolutely different than absolutely. recruitment. Yep. And sales teams have KPIs based on activity, based on outcome, based on um, um, potential. So that's where I say recruitment should be away from HR and yet still collaborate. I'm, I'm a big believer of collaboration anywhere, whether that's inside a company, outside a company, in industry, within peers. So yes, they well, still can be a value add. Does a company exist, I'm curious, that has actually split recruitment in HR where they report to you know a similar level. I wonder if that actually exists. I don't know, I'm asking. It's a good question, actually. I'd, I, I wouldn't dare to say it right now. No, I just hear it all the time that they're like, well, go talk to the HR manager first if you want to do business with us. I'm like, why HR? Because they look at the contracts. I'm like, oh, interesting. Do you want the talent? Do you want someone right. to bring you money? Or do you want me to just focus on the letters of the contract? So, yeah, I don't, I don't know a specific company right now, but okay. I'm going to look into that for sure. Okay. So let's say there was a company who decides that they need to, within the HR team, have more of an agency recruiter attitude. And they're wanting to, so they're wanting to get somebody who's going to become a talent thief. What would you say, what would you recommend for that kind of person to look out for? What, what kind of recruiter should they be hiring who's going to have that mindset? There's only one talent thief, right? So you know, <laughs> um, we'll clone you. What kind of what kind of questions would you ask to a candidate like that? Who you'd be? Let's say you were going to be hiring a recruit onto your team. Yeah. What kind of questions would you ask that person to identify whether they're truly going to be a talent thief? I'm a big believer that you don't just want to ask questions, but you want to see people do things. I think the biggest motivating factor in becoming a talent thief is your passion to succeed and as a passion to actually be proactive in your work. So I'll give you an example. I used to work with uh, Manpower here in Alberta and uh, as a workforce partner, and I trained a lot of their team. And the moment that I would bring somebody onto the team, I would just give them the yellow pages and say, open it, pick a company, and I'll call them and find out who's working there. 
and the people that would hesitate and be like why like what am can we just like what what and they'd be scared i'm like you're not going to succeed on my team now i know i'm a little bit out there i'm a little bit too rigid <laughs> in a sense um but the people that are like okay sure let me do it yeah it's like some interviewees get a case study to complete uh that's you want to see what you want to try before you buy i guess yeah and if you're not afraid of doing that because that's my world constantly i think nine out of ten times i hear no you got to have thick skin and if you get like demotivated by the nose then you're not going to succeed in this role and i'll throw something else out there and i know not everybody agrees with that but a lot of agency recruiters go to the corporate side because they don't have the the KPIs and the yep. the targets anymore and they can kind of browse now i know that recruiters on the corporate side are definitely not people that can just sit back but they do take a way more reactive approach than proactive so people that come from corporate i I don't know anyone who came from corporate and went back to the agency side because they really were passionate about doing it. I know one guy that we both know who went from corporate back to agency. I don't know whether that was because he was really passionate though. So that's what I'm That's a rare find. That's a rare find. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking through my my Rolodex in my head here and I think you're right. You know, a lot of people will go or they'll see the agency route as a ticket into HR. Yeah. And it's a competitive world, so they'll go work the agency route for a couple of years with the hope that one day they'll get a either an HR generalist or uh in-house recruiter role that that's their kind of career path in their head and they'll just use the agency as a stepping stone which makes sense because it is a great way of starting a yep. career you come out of school you don't have any experience you go to an agency you learn so many things you yep. learn about sales marketing HR law how to manage your time right yep. everything the the challenge though is that there's no formal education systems like an HR program there's no formal education systems for a recruitment program i i came up with it i said i'll teach it like here i'll teach you what you need to know in order to make a conscious decision at the end of your studies that you want to become a recruiter even if it's a course but no one teaches that right now most HR programs in Alberta will have one recruitment course right as part of their HR stream or major including my program here at Ambrose it's one recruitment course and then we talk a little bit about recruitment in other courses but and, you're and you're saying it almost could be another major in a business degree i almost think so because my question and you teach it in yep, your course um let me ask you this how much of that is focused on sales and marketing and how much is focused on the actual process of writing a job description and and selection and selection mm-hmm. that's a good question sales marketing maybe 10% rough guess i'd have to go back and look at that and the rest would be on the process teaching them how to interview etc but uh a lot of my recruitment students also will take marketing courses as well so there could be a blend there but yeah you're right maybe i should relook at my curriculum there and focus a bit more <laughs> on uh, marketing we'll connect again yeah we will <laughs> Now, um, Will, you also run the Recruiters Only Meetup here in Calgary, yeah. um, and it sounds like it's starting to grow and become something even bigger than just Calgary. Can you tell us a little bit about it and, and what the purpose is behind it? Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up. Uh, like I said before, I'm all about collaboration. And having been in the industry for so many years, even internally within specific companies, it becomes really competitive. Because if you don't place the candidate, you don't get paid. a bonus on top of your salary of course now we together with two other fellows Dan Parker and Anthony Jackson we decided that um we want to bring people together in a social setting and get rid of the fact that whether you work corporate or agency it doesn't always need to be about business it can be about how can we share ideas how can we learn from each other and just have a good time 
everybody likes to have a drink at the end of the week. And as real recruiters, we sometimes say, I don't want to talk to candidates anymore. I'm just, yeah. I'm just done right now. <laughs> and I don't want to hear from a client why I don't have a candidate for them yet. I just want to go off on a tangent with my fellow recruiters and just talk about the pros and the cons sometimes of our of our we need we need roles. a place to bitch and complain right pretty much <laughs> we just need yes it sometimes is a bitching session but that's only like maybe two percent of the whole event yeah. so we did that and besides that i i like to teach other people as well new skills so there's an educational component yes. to the meetups as well yeah so we started it i believe now well last year was the first year that we did it we did five events and um we got a call from sourcecon who said you guys really have a big gathering right now in Calgary there's over 300 people that are part of the meetup group um, we have about 40 people showing up for each event and uh, SourceCon said can we collaborate so they promote us we can take some of their content and bring that to the group as well but we really try to focus more on bringing somebody in from uh, the community here so Jeanette Sutherland from Calgary Economic Development we brought her in and she spoke a little bit about what she's doing with CED and um, we brought well yourself yeah. and once as well and um, it really, it's not non-commercial. Pretty yeah, nice. I, I must say I've attended a few of them and I think we sponsored one of them yeah. as top recruiter. And I really liked that there was an educational component. You always brought in somebody who was sharing something new. I remember one time you brought in somebody who was educating recruiters about the opportunities to bring in foreign nationals yes. or an IT immigration stream and who could help them with that and to help them to sell that to employers who thought that was gonna be impossible. Um, I thought that was extremely valuable. So for the people listening to this podcast, how would they be able to uh, find out more about the events? So we have one coming up actually on October 17th. They are on the meetup group. When you go to, I think it's Premier Recruiter Networking, Calgary Premier Recruiter Networking. I'm terrible in knowing these names. It's on meetup.com though. Meetup.com or just reach out to me like on LinkedIn, Will Van Middendorp and uh, you're not hard to find. You, no, well, there's only one Van Meter. Right? Right. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to uh, share the information with you. And the bigger, the better. And like you say, we do want to go more national. We believe in the fact that a lot of people travel for work. So when you live in Vancouver and you're in Calgary for the weekend, we have an event here. We want you to join us. We yeah. want you to come here and network in Toronto, same thing. So, so. Do, you, do you have to be a recruiter to attend? Yes. Or what's your premise? So that's yes. uh, okay. Yeah, very discriminatory, but yes, you have to be in that profession, let's say it like what that. What about professors who teach recruitment? Apparently not very well, but... Uh. Yeah, we'll talk about that again, but <laughs> you're more than welcome to join. Okay. It, it really is about the profession, yeah. and it's not about job seekers who would like to join, which I understand, um, but no, they are excluded from these events. Okay. I really like that you're doing that, though, because I think that the sense of community is m- missing between recruiters. Um, just the other day, a recruiter reached out to me saying, do you know of a platform where I can put a question out to recruiters? Because, for example, we're looking for a new ATS and I just want to know what other agencies are using. Where do I where do I ask that? And it was just silence, absolute crickets. Where, where does one ask a question like that to a trusted community? There isn't anything like that out there. Except. Big, except except. <laughs> we have a meetup group like yeah. this where they could ask that kind of question. Is there a LinkedIn group for the same thing or... Oh no, not yet. So we're building like a bit of a new structure with that as well, but there's a Facebook group for it and there's like the meetup group, which is perfect. But on the meetup group, there is a discussion board as well where you can post even jobs that you're trying to fill. And that's the nice thing in our group right now, people do want to collaborate. Mm-hmm. So when you've got a job to fill for a new recruiter even, you post it on there and other recruiters will either say, hey, I'm interested or I might know someone else. 
Yeah, well, I guess the motivation is uh, we all win. Even if we share a vacancy with another recruiter, we each make a little bit. Yeah. Um, but in the end, our customer is happy. They're going to get what they're looking for a whole lot sooner. Yeah. That's that's a new way of thinking between recruiters, especially at agencies, right? That I think there's a new attitude of collaboration between recruiters happening right now. Um, and your meetup is really fostering that. Yes. And I think the recruiters themselves, they are they're totally open to it. A lot of the times, the owners of the agencies are not. Because mm -hmm, they're 100% of the problem. Oh, okay. like, yeah, they're selfish, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and if we can break down that barrier, then I think we're going to be way more successful in giving candidate oppor candidates opportunities and uh, giving organizations the right talents. And in the end, we'll make a little bit of money. So that gives me another question. So you have your own agency, yep. and there's many recruiters who you know and are in that network who don't, they work for a bigger name agency. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they work for a bigger agency rather than being independent where they could make decisions like this to collaborate with other recruiters? Good question. Of course, I don't understand, but um, <laughs> no, I think not everybody is an entrepreneur. Let's, let's start there first. So as an entrepreneur, it all sounds really nice and I can tell everybody I can work from anywhere in the world. But with it comes so much more than just doing recruitment. So you need to run an organization, you need to do your branding yourself, you need to post the jobs, you need to get your licenses, like everything. So there's a lot of time uh, involved in it. And a lot of recruiters that work with the bigger agencies, they have their eight to five job and they can mm -hmm. go home at five o'clock and they can take the four to five weeks vacation. Unfortunately, my fiance is sometimes like, hey, we have two kids at home as well. Maybe you just need to drop your work right now and really focus on these little <laughs> ones. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, you have that luxury. I, now I have the luxury, but sometimes at 6 or 7 p.m. She's like, okay, now we're done. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing she's a bit Dutch as well. So she's very strong-minded. But um, <laughs> that's the agency recruiter is not really set up for that. And to start out... In an, in an independent role in a very competitive industry, it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's tough. I started in a downturn, which was tough, and, but I stuck with it. And in the end, I wouldn't want to do anything else. But if you're working for a big agency and you're running a 360 desk, meaning you have to go and get the business as well as fill the roles, that's just as tough. So then is the only benefit then that working for the big agency is that that agency already has long-term agreements with existing clients who are going to fill your funnel for you. Is that the big difference then? I think uh, salary is a big driver as well. And even if it's less money, it's still a base salary that you're guaranteed to get every two weeks or twice a month or yeah. whatever that is. And that's for a it. lot of people, I'm speaking to two entrepreneurs here, for a lot of people, mm. that's, it's safe, right? Oh, I'd love it. I'd yeah, love you would love it. You know, more safe yeah. sometimes. But on the other hand, yeah, you got to weigh the, the risks and the rewards. Yeah. And that's yeah. the main thing. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. This was uh, Will Van Middendorp from 1010 Recruitment and Next International Inc. on Becoming a Talent Thief. Thank you.